Good morning, family of God. How's everybody doing today? Are you all having a happy Sabbath today? Yes. Amen and amen. amen. I wanted to start off by giving a short announcement regarding our guest speaker next Sabbath. That's April 16. That's the Easter weekend. Now, a short introduction. He's a youth pastor for the Ontario Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he's a part of the uh, church uh, of the, the Hilltop Korean Church, and Ontario's the mother church. He's the youth pastor there. His name is Matthew On. Now, many of you know his father, Peter On. So I look forward to introducing him to all of you next Sabbath. And we look forward to having a guest speaker for the Easter weekend. You're probably wondering why I wore this button on my lapel. For those of you that have seen it, it says, tell the children, tell the world. You know that when you tell children things, unless you say, hey, this is a secret, they will tell people, they will tell children, they will tell others that they care about. Hopefully not a total stranger, but they will tell others. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the gospel to tell children as well as adults? Before we begin the message for today, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we are here to worship you, our wonderful, our awesome God above, and especially the message about Jesus and the little children. Be with each one of us here and understand that we need to bring children to you because of the implications regarding eternal life. This is what we want for everyone and especially our, our children, whatever age they are, so that we'll all be together in heaven. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you can't see the picture, I'm going to slide over here and I'm going to hold it up so that you can all see it. You know, I was telling our audiovisual man in the uh, audiovisual room, Josiah, that a, a picture tells a thousand words. Right? It gives a thousand words, a picture of Jesus with the children, the little children. Do you think it's too soon to tell children about Jesus? There's no age that's too soon. I think that we need to be telling children especially, but tell children along with the adults. You know that any adult that is teaching a child, any adult that's the parent of a child, fathers, mothers, they have quite a responsibility. And that's not just with the parents or the teachers, the pastors, or anybody in a leadership uh, position that is supposed to be and live a good example. 
Let's take a look again at the words found in Mark, the uh, word of God. Mark 10, 13, going to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. Now, you know that the laying on of hands is like a blessing. And when Jesus touches the little children, his blessing for them is every promise and a kingdom living in heaven with him one day. That's what it's about. Now, parents, don't they bring to church their young ones? Many times they're like just six months old or maybe newborn. But at least before they are, what, two, three years old? They bring them to church so the pastor can dedicate that baby. We can't do that in Jesus' physical appearance because we worship in spirit. But the mothers brought their children, their little ones, to Jesus. And that's where we find uh, Jesus and the mothers and the little children and, of course, the adults, the disciples. And... Jesus noticed a disturbance in the crowd. Of course, Jesus could hear what was going on. And he pointed right at the disciples and rebuked them. He was upset with them. Why is Jesus upset here? Because of the importance of what was going to happen. If Jesus said nothing... The disciples were going to shoo the little, they were just going to tell them, get back. They were going to, you know, tell them, you need to get to the very back. Well, who can see in the very back? Especially not the little ones. What about the mothers? How did they feel about having to take their children into the back? And so Jesus, he's upset about it. And he says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. Isn't that what the disciples were doing? I can guess one disciple that was probably involved in this as the ringleader. Judas, okay. How about Peter? Peter had to learn a lot, didn't he? So let them come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to these children. I tell you the truth, in other scriptures, and other Bibles, verily, verily, I say unto you, but I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God as or like a little child will never enter it. Do you think it makes Jesus happy to have to say things like this? But it was necessary. You need to become like a child. You can't be a child. And, you know, Nick, if Nicodemus was there, he'd say, that's impossible. I can't be a child. He, it just went right over his head, the spiritual aspect of this. Jesus is, says that we need to be like a child. We need to trust Jesus. Who trusts Jesus any, or who, yeah, who trusts Jesus any more than the little children? Once they meet Jesus, they will trust him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and he blessed them. You know what? I look forward to the day when we can all be in heaven with Jesus and have Jesus touch us. Can you imagine the feeling we're going to get? You talk about euphoria or joy. We will have joy when Jesus has a chance to touch us and bless us and make us feel at home in heaven. I love this story about the little children and Jesus. Sometimes we don't realize how important this is. I think that listening to the children is very important. You know Jesus was sitting. And when he was teaching and preaching, he would sit down because, you know, he would have the sermon and the message for hours. He had to sit down. He didn't want to stand the whole time. Can you imagine how it was when the little children came to him and they were eye level from the very beginning. Eye level. You don't want to be towering over a child. You want to get eye level with them. If it means leaning, leaning or getting on your knees or sitting and, and then be welcoming to them. You know, we've all felt the children's love. And when they've been taught love, when they've been taught about Jesus... And they know that this person they're about to meet is a good friend of their parents. They're going to want to do the same thing that we read in, in this lesson about Jesus and the children. And the children couldn't wait to touch Jesus or to sit on his lap and, and, and have, have you know Jesus hold on to them. I'm sure many of you have. Aren't they... You know they're innocent, but aren't they eager? Children are eager to hear about Jesus. I have some words that I want to share with you. And it's my favorite book on the life of Jesus. Who can tell me the name of this book? It's my favorite. Come on, it's easy. Dan, The Desire of Ages. Exactly. It's the desire of ages. This book is about Jesus from the beginning to the end. Amen. From the beginning to the end. There's a chapter here. No, I think I'm okay. I'll, I'll, I think I'm okay. You may not remember this, but if you open a book, the, the book, Desire of Ages. It's chapter 56, and it's about blessing the children. Blessing the children. It goes on in the beginning saying this, Jesus was ever a lover of children. He accepted their childish sympathy and their open and unaffected love. The grateful praise from their lips was music to his ears and refreshed his spirit when expressed by contact with crafty and hypercritical men. You know, the Pharisees were nearby. That's all they did was criticize Jesus. That's all they did is tell Jesus, you're wrong. 
You're not who you say you are. They criticized him. But when he had the innocent little children believing and listening to his every word, this refreshed Jesus. Wherever the Savior went, the benignity of his countenance and his gentle, kindly manner won the love and the confidence of children. Once you gain the confidence of children, you will always have it unless you do something and then they'll no longer be confident in you. It's because of their innocence. And when, when you have done that, you betray them. You betray their love and their, the gentleness that they have naturally. And when the mothers came to him with their little ones, it says the disciples looked on them with disfavor. Boy, the disciples needed to learn. They were learning, but they had not learned all that they needed to. They thought these children were too young to be benefited by a visit to Jesus and concluded that he would be displeased at their presence. Why would Jesus be displeased at the presence of little children? I can't imagine. How do we all feel when we see the presence of little children? And I'm talking about children who behave. Not the ones that don't behave, but the ones who behave. Doesn't that make us all smile? And honestly, I like to see the little children run and play together. And be nice and loving with each other and share with each other. Because little children, they do that naturally. They do that naturally. But it was with the disciples that he was displeased. The disciples knew that their actions had displeased Jesus. You know, they were upset when they realized it. But I don't know how upset they were. But when Jesus is displeased with us, you know, that should make us sad. We need Jesus to be pleased with us. Thinking about the, all of the mothers, Jesus could read the hearts and the minds of these mothers that brought their children to see Jesus. He knew the burden of every mother's heart. All of us who are parents, all of us who are mothers, do we not have a burden for our children? We know that burden. We want what's best for our children. What's the number one thing you can think of? The best of the best things for our children. What are they? The love of Jesus. You share Jesus and you tell them about Jesus. You bring the children and the mothers and he will listen to all of their problems, all of their perplexities or everything that's wrong and you will, they all became calm because of Jesus because of the way he was with 
the little ones. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, we can become little children by loving others and by bearing fruit of the Spirit. You can't go wrong. The first one is love. Next one is joy. When you share the joy with others, that is catching. They catch that joy. And you know how the rest of that goes? You teach them patience, goodness, kindness. Teach them about faith, about humility. But the hardest of all is to teach and to actually be an example of somebody that is selfless. There's only one person that is 100 total percent selfless, and we need to be like that. It's Jesus. He is selfless. A word about John the Baptist. We've heard that Jesus said there's no greater man born of a woman than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his birth. The Holy Spirit filled the heart and the mind of John the Baptist while he was yet in his mother's womb. I don't know if Jesus or if the word is about anyone else except for Jesus. Jesus had that Holy Spirit. If we live in communion with God, we too may expect the divine Holy Spirit to mold our little ones. When we teach them Jesus, Jesus will fill their hearts and their minds. If we live that as an example, children will take from that example and do the same thing. The sad story is that children copy what they see, good or bad. Children will copy the parents when it comes to wanting to have prayer. There's prayer in the family circle. But think of it this way, on the negative side, if the parents, one or the other or both, if they smoke in the presence of a a little one, they will probably smoke when they grow up. That's sad. And think about anything else. I'm not saying that people are bad, but it's not good for your health. And any other negative thing that comes from the parents. I think the one that maybe should have the biggest burden is the father, but the mother as well. Let's be good examples. Let's be good examples. It says in the page 517, the last page of this chapter, and as the Holy Spirit moves upon the hearts of the children, cooperate with, the, with Jesus. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Teach them that the Savior is calling them and that nothing can give him greater joy for them to give themselves to him in the bloom and the freshness of their years. That's when they're little. The wisest man of all in the Bible 
the world Solomon. He said to teach a child until they're 12 the way that he should live. When he grows old, he'll not depart from it. Teach the children when they're young. If you wait until they're old, it's too late. It takes a lot of prayer and a lot of work by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus. I'll close from this chapter on blessing the children with a last um, finish. The Christian worker, who's the Christian worker? All of us? may be Christ's agent in drawing these children to the Savior. You know, one day we'll find out just how many children we did bring to Jesus. The promise and revelation in one of the churches, there's the promise of a crown. And that crown will tell you the number of children that you spoke to and brought to Jesus. So that's very important that we bring, bring the children to Jesus. In the Bible, we have two wonderful examples in the Old Testament. One of them is the prophet Samuel. Samuel is thought as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, prophets in the Bible. You know, Samuel started a school, and it was just for the prophets. Just for the prophets. Samuel might never have been except, in other words, never born, except that his mother, mother mother-to-be, what's her name? Hannah. 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 Hannah was crying. High priest Eli comes out and says, have you had too much to drink? My goodness, she's praying. And what is that prayer? God, I want a baby. I want a baby. If you give me this baby, I will dedicate him to you for all of his life. I say let the children come unto Jesus. Do not forbid them. Did Hannah basically, figuratively, put her baby Samuel in the arms of Jesus? We know that to be true. We know that's true. You know the story when he went to live with Eli. You know, Eli the high priest was not a good example. He had two sons, Hophni, Phinehas. They were sinful. They were conniving. They were scheming. They were no good. And they were priests too. Yeah. So why do you suppose... Samuel was there living with Eli. You know, Eli did say one thing. Samuel, you shouldn't listen to me. You should listen to Jesus. Listen to what he has to say. Well, let's take a look at this, um, this story in 1 Samuel. And I'm going to read Samuel, first chapter, 1 Samuel first chapter, and begin with verse 25. (coughs) 
actually wasn't 25. Let's look here. Actually, the story is in chapter 3. Oh, sorry. Oh, is it? Um, the part where Samuel is with Eli. Yeah, chapter 3. Let's just move over a chapter. And the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were, there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, he was lying down in his usual place. He'd gone to, gone to bed to sleep. The lamp of the God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, Samuel, you called me. Eli said, no, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. He called him a second time. And he called him a third time. And when he came... Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. It says in verse 7, but Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel, and I said that a third time, and then Eli said, Samuel, go and lie down. The next time you hear that voice, you say this. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. This is the first time that he had a conversation with Jesus. He could not see Jesus face to face. It was a long time before Jesus walked on this earth. But Samuel was speaking with Jesus. And from that day forward, Samuel was a faithful prophet of God. This was before the kings, before Saul and David and the rest. Which brings me to another man. The man that Samuel would anoint as the second king of Israel. Did I mention his name? David. King David. You know, David as a boy was a shepherd. Does that remind you of the name that we give to the good shepherd? Now, shepherds, they watch over the lambs. But Jesus is our good shepherd because he watches over all of us lambs. Because we are his and he is ours. Samuel went to Jesse with God right there speaking to him. And he went through seven of Jesse's sons. And God said, not him, not him, no, not him. And Samuel's thinking, what is wrong with these guys? I, I know for a certainty that Jesse has taught his sons about God. I know that. 
But the reply, you heard this, this saying, I won't look it up, but it says this. Man looks on the outward appearance. Yes, these guys are tall. Yes, these guys are strong. Yes, these guys are good men. But people look on the outside. Jesus looks on the heart and on the inside. I have this to say about David. You know, he spent many days, maybe a few years, keeping watch over the flock as they ate the grass. And they, you know, that's what, that's what lambs do. They eat the grass, they drink the water. And I think that he was taught by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. He was taught what he needed to know as a young lad. And I believe this is even before he went out to fight Goliath. When he fought Goliath, he was just a young Young one, I'm going to say he couldn't have been more than 16. He's a child. He's a child at this point. 1 Samuel 13, 14. Oh, wait, 13, 14. Yeah, I've got to go over a, a few. I don't remember in the Bible where this is said of anyone but David. You know it already, Catherine. 13, 14. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of the people. Well, this is really talking about Saul, who was not going to continue, nor was his family, his son or sons, a man after his own heart. He's speaking of David. I believe Paul writes about that as well. It goes along about the same way. And uh, where is that found? It's Acts 13.22. He's referring to Israel and their kings. 13.22, David being a man after God's own heart. You know, we can be that today. We can be that today if we let the little children come and learn about Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus would want us to do? What is in God's heart? He loves the little children. I love that little song that we teach our children. Jesus loves the little children. Right? He loves all children, red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus. You know... There weren't very many good kings in Israel, but one I mentioned is David, King David. Do you know that they refer to the King David as the father of Jesus? Isn't that amazing? 
when we know that it's Jesus that created him. But it's all down the line of the descendants. King David. He served 40 years as the king. He started out great. In the middle, he ran, a, he ran aground. But in the end, a good king. Good King David. Now, if we do not, if we are not witnesses, how many pictures have we seen? Okay, go ahead and scroll through those pictures. Look at that. The little children are sitting on his lap. One brought him a rose or a flower. The others are there, even their, their uh, pet dog. And the mothers are there in the background. What do you say? Does that picture tell a thousand words? Absolutely. You see Jesus sitting down in his white robe, and he's holding the one little girl, and he's touching the other one, laying on of hands. Wow. I wonder what that's like. wonder what that's like having Jesus lay the hand, his hand on your head. You know, a lot of times that's what the, uh, the priests do. And Samuel, the prophet, he did that with David. Uh, you know, there's people who analyze pictures now and they say how they feel, what they see. And they said when, you know, how he Let's take a look at the other pictures here now. Okay, there you go. What does that picture tell us? What does it tell you? Of the little children of the world. Absolutely. Little girl holding a rabbit. Another picture? There you go, the beautiful garden there with the children. He's holding one. They're sitting at his feet. What must it be like to sit at the feet of Jesus? Next picture. Some more children coming to Jesus. Jesus is standing there. Looks like he's got some men, probably disciples there with him. And the mothers there with the children. All of those that are holding a child or have their hand on the child. These are little ones, too. They are little. Next picture. Another, another nice picture of Jesus. I never get tired of seeing these pictures. Do you know that at one time or another, we were children... Do you remember when our parents, our mother, our father, would teach us about Jesus? You know, I remember my mother and father taking my brothers and sister to Sabbath school every Sabbath, and we loved it. We loved it. We sang songs. We prayed. We, we read the Bible. We studied the Bible. 
And then when it was over, I said to my mother, good, it's, it's over, let's go home. In other words, we can skip church. But she says, no, you can never skip church. You're going to sit with your parents, mom and dad, and your brothers and your sister. And we took up the whole pew. We took up the whole pew. Next picture. Thank you. We'll stop at this picture here. You know, these are words of Jesus. Matthew 18, 6. And I'm, I'm going to start with verse 1 and go through 6. Okay. 1 through 6. Matthew 18, 1 through 6. Verse 1, Matthew 18, verse 1. And at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, So who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus has told us. Already he has told us. Whoever welcomes a little children like this in my name, welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That is the absolute last thing that you want. You don't want that. Look up at the screen and you see a picture with five or six I don't know how many. I can't count them all. Millstones. Can you lift a millstone, Dan? Can two lift a millstone? Probably not. One of those is about this high from the ground. It stood on end and weighs over 3,000 pounds. Can you imagine being tied to that? And thrown into the depths of the sea. You know, I, I have to liken this. You've got to be pretty bad to be doing this to children. But you think in this world, what's going on in this world, where there is, their children are slaves. And the slaves that they, and the, what they have to do, it's, it's horrendous. The slave trade of children. You know what? I can think of one other thing that's, that could be right there with this millstone hanging around your neck, thrown into the depths of the sea as be throwing into that furnace at the end, that fiery lake of fire. You don't want that. You don't want that. 
All in the Gospels we find this message. We find in Luke 17. It's also in the book of Mark, but I want to say just one more thing about this in Luke 17. Luke 17, 1 and 2. Yeah, one and two. Luke. Luke, the physician. Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they came or come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. And in verse 3, few words, so watch yourselves. You know, you have to do that. You have to show the little ones the way of Satan. You have to consciously, consciously do that on purpose. It's better if we on purpose tell our children about Jesus. That's really easier. That would be easier. I'll be closing soon, by the way. I'll be moving to the end. Mark 9.42. I'm not going to read all of the previous verses, but 9.42. It's along the lines of the other two. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Does Jesus speak very clearly? That's very clear to me. It's very clear to me. If that's the end, we can turn that off. Is there one other, or is that it? Oh, there's more? Oh, okay. The next one. Oh, yes. I've already talked about Samuel, but there he is with the old Eli. Next one. There he is with his calling from, from Jesus. Samuel, Samuel. Can you imagine God talking to you when you're trying to sleep? And you can hear him. You can either know his presence and know what he's saying uh, as far as mind to mind, or you can audibly hear it. You know, God is audible at times. He's audible at times. Other times, he is not. So that is Samuel. So is there one more? Okay. So now I'm moving to the finish. In the New Testament, which I haven't really talked much about, we have an apostle, an ambassador, a missionary. We know him as Paul. The one and only Paul, the chief of the sinners, right? Coming from the tribe of Benjamin. 
taught by Gamaliel all things about Jews. He was one that went out to kill Christians, to have them killed. I think about him standing there holding the coats for those who picked up stones and stoned the deacon Stephen. I believe Stephen would be in heaven. We don't know. But what he saw, he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus. He saw clearly. No one else did. But anyways, Paul called himself the worst of all sinners. And I think worse than David, (laughs) worse than Adam. It was bad. It was bad. Even Jesus said, Paul, you are persecuting me. Well, here's the thing about, Tim, uh, about Paul. He counseled, mentored a young man named Timothy. I'm thinking he's about 16 years old. His mother, Phoebe, was the, was the pastor in a church there. And she taught Timothy when he was just a little, little one. And she taught Timothy about Jesus. And in closing, I wanted to read a text in 1 Timothy. It's a, it's a memory verse. 3, 15 to 17. Who knows that? Who knows that text? I'm sorry, let's go to 2nd, it's 2nd Timothy, I believe. Yeah, 2nd Timothy Yeah, 2 Timothy and beginning in 14. Yeah. This is counsel to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which we are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What wonderful words that we hear from Paul. Verse 16, here it is. All Scripture is God-breathed or inspired and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we read our Bibles, we'll come across that story of Jesus rebuking the disciples and saying, let the little children come unto me. Forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 17 of Chapter 4, no, is it 17? It's 7. Here's what Paul says, and I will close with this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I think our little children will keep the faith if we keep the faith. Suffer the little children. Let them come into Jesus. The way we do that now 
is to pray with them, study the Bible with them, and be the example of Paul, of Samuel, and all the other leaders that we have who led a good example. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us in the gospel commission to tell children. Tell them all about Jesus. Tell them about how Jesus died for them and rose again. And that was the finishing touch on our receiving everlasting life. We know that when we tell a child, they will tell the world. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.